Hi, welcome to my CBT podcast. This is Dr. Julie Osborne, and once again, thanks for being here with me. I hope you're all doing well. I wanted to start off with the email I got from somebody that I used to work with and do therapy with, and um, it was really a sweet email I wanted to share with you guys. So it says, hi, Julie. I hope this email finds you well and thriving. I've been doing well, and I'm so grateful I went through the CBT therapy before COVID. I'm so very happy and encouraged that you've been able to reach out to so many people, especially during these crazy times. You mentioned in your latest podcast that it isn't too late to go through the therapy. I was in my 70s when I went through the therapy with you, and I know that it not only helped me a lot, but my family members and friends have benefited from my healthy way of dealing with life. Keep up the good work. So, you know who you are. Thank you for that email. I really appreciate it. And again, I hope that gives everybody encouragement that it isn't ever too late, no matter how old you are (laughs) or where you are in your life, that you can still be a happier person and work through the issues that are still, you know, haunting you from maybe the past or current situations. And to always have that hope that if you work hard and you really try it, that you can really make a difference, really make a difference. So today I'm going to talk about codependency, and I'll tell you what that actually means in a minute, but I thought it would be a good topic because a couple podcasts back, my podcast on core beliefs really got some really good feedback and seemed to be a favorite for many people. So this is kind of linking that to that because some of the behavioral strategies that I had that I shared in the core beliefs was also codependency, and it's something that you can definitely get past. You don't have to be codependent. The definition kind of gets messed up that just because you're helping someone doesn't mean you're codependent, okay? We all want to be there for each other and help each other, but when it affects your life negatively, that's when it's a problem. So usually, you know, emerging from dysfunctional childhood experiences can lead to a journey of self-discovery and independence, right? So even though you've had those difficult times in the past, you can go forward and get better. The households we grew up in can have a powerful influence on the way we deal with life as an adult, and often in ways that we never stop to think about. We simply keep on living, repeating the same mistakes, and enduring the same conflicts over and over again. And then we wonder why the same old patterns keep repeating themselves, even when we change friendships, jobs, and relationships. And the answer may lie in a less than nurturing childhood characterized by neglect and other forms of abuse. So it sounds, you know, I say that word neglect and abuse, I know it sounds like so severe, but it was, doesn't mean that it's always severe. It can be very, you know, come across as more mild. So, you know, when my parents divorced and I shared how that created my core beliefs, the neglect was my mom leaving, but it didn't feel, you know, when I was a kid, like it was abusive or any kind of abuse that happened to me in my childhood in that way, but just not having my parent with me, you know, was the thing that really affected me greatly. So when you hear that word, you know, neglect or other forms of abuse, and if you think, well, I was never abused, still take a minute to think about, you know, was there any ways in your life that you were affected negatively growing up, though, where you felt that you were in a position to care for the other people in the house when you were even a child? So it can be, again, as, as I said earlier, that, you know, it can happen in ways that we just don't even think about, right? So codependence is is looked at as, a dis- as destructive behaviors and attitudes and feelings, which are directly linked to the way we're brought up. So families are described as dysfunctional when the needs of the parents are so overwhelming that the task of raising children is demoted to a secondary role in the family. 
So the parents' issues and needs become bigger than caring for the kids. And codependence in adulthood emerges from these dysfunctional childhood experiences. So that's kind of a start to start thinking about your own past and and you know where it comes from. And I want to just talk about the past. I want to share too. I have you know a lot of clients that are like, I don't want to talk about my past. And you know, I'm like, that's fine because cognitive behavioral therapy really focuses on current, you know, what can I do right now to get better, which is super. But eventually we get to those core beliefs and we start looking at your past because your past is your environment. And it's not about blaming your parents or, you know, it's not the blame thing. You know, I don't want that because, you know, blamers don't change, right? They just blame. So we, we want to you know, acknowledge, though, that these things did happen and they're still affecting me today. So when children lack the adequate nurturance and loving guidance they need to function as independent adults, they experience a flawed or incomplete sense of themselves, a pattern which can last throughout one's entire life. So I want to say, again, if you haven't yet, go listen to my core beliefs so you'll understand what I'm talking about. But, you know, my dad was definitely a rock in our family and loving, loving, nurturing, loved being a dad. And so I got all that I needed in that way, but the lack of my mom around as much as I needed her still affected me. So even though one parent can do a lot, and I'm not saying like, oh no, I have to have two all the time, but even if you have a one great parent, you know, there's there still can be a lack if you're missing that other adult in your life. Especially if you know you knew obviously you know them and then they leave. So that's just something I wanted to share regarding that. So when this happens, you're prone to enmeshment with a hazy sense of your own personal boundaries. You may not know where they leave off and the other person's begins. You may have a need to make other people happy, a pattern that many people learned in dealing with their parents. You know, they had to make their parents happy so that they could feel good and not get in trouble. And when they're not able to do this, people might feel less than other people. They probably see themselves, you know, as less than as well. And unselfish, they think that they're, you know, really compassionate because they're always there for others, but they're lacking a sense of themselves and they can resort to the same techniques to get attention they learn in childhood. So people with codependency might actually manipulate, control, and try to change others in order to get their own needs met. I can really relate to that because when you're lacking, right, and you can't seem to get what you need, then you're going to try to control others to get what you need. So you tell yourself, I'm so wonderful, I'm compassionate, I'm unselfish, I'm there for others, but you're really kind of manipulating to, to get that. And that's why it really doesn't even feel good, right? Because getting love and attention when you're manipulating for it is not a good kind of love. And when you do give, it's, you know, with strings attached. So those suffering from codependence often are attracted to and give to people who show little real interest in them, the same pattern they experienced in childhood in dealing with an emotionally unavailable parent. So because they weren't guided in childhood to learn more moderate expressions of emotions, they end up in adulthood on an emotional roller coaster with moods ranging from extreme despair to passive sweetness to uncontrolled anger and anxiety, and maybe nothing at all. And frustration comes easily, and interpersonal conflicts are frequent, and their partners are blamed for not coming through at times when they should. The old themes of childhood play themselves out again. So. I think a lot of us can really relate to all of this, right? And it's kind of a, a really frustrating cycle we go through and we feel like we're giving so much to everybody and we just can't get what we need. But the fact is you're really attracting people that won't ever give you what you need because you don't even think, you know, your self-worth is, is good enough for you to think that I really deserve a good person. 
and you find people you need to rescue, right? So if somebody needs to be rescued, then they're probably not going to leave until they decide to find someone else to rescue them. (laughs) And then you don't understand what happened. So, you know, it's not as simple as it sounds. And a lot of people have a hard time seeing it, especially when they feel like they're being such a good partner. But you really have to see if there's a pattern. And if you're always frustrated, not getting your needs met, you know, what role are you playing in it? So let me talk about a couple kind of subcategories with the codependent. So the first is just talking about your self-worth. So let me say people with a healthy self-worth know who they are and have a good sense of liking themselves that they can draw on in you know, their face of difficulty when things come up. They have a sense of stability within themselves that they can apply in their relationships. They're able to feel appropriate emotions such as compassion, love, anger, and anxiety, but they're stable and their solid sense of self-worth remains intact, even you know, no matter what you're going through, right? On the other hand, when we hear messages from our parents that tell us we're unworthy and will never amount to anything, and that could be verbal and nonverbal messages, we may begin to define ourselves in these terms. So we may feel insecure within and rely perhaps too heavily on the opinions of others to determine who we are. We may come to define ourselves in terms of the clothes we wear, the house we live in, the job we hold, who our friends are, or the car we drive. And if we rely too heavily on these externals, which are often beyond our control, we can plummet into a real crisis when, say, we lose a job or a friend. Because now who, I, who am I, right? Without our external props, we're left with the old feelings from childhood that say we are worthless. Sometimes people with self-worth problems try to compensate by believing they are better than others. And this situation can lead to arrogance and difficulty in maintaining healthy relationships. So again, a lot you can see this really is interwoven with that whole core belief, right? And, the, and consider the codependence as that behavioral strategy I talked about to compensate for feeling bad. So I feel worthless. I'm going to go be the greatest ever. Or I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to have the best car. I'm going to have the best job. And when something happens with those things and they're lost, you're right back at feeling worthless because you really didn't change that internal belief inside yourself, which is what we need to do. Another factor with codependence is we call reality testing. So those who grew up in healthy households are given a great deal of support in childhood for exploring the world around them. And they're encouraged to know what they like, what they don't like. They're supportive for exposing themselves to life experiences and acquiring their own tools for dealing with the demands of adulthood. Although a dysfunctional upbringing, in contrast, may lead to putting the needs of the parents above those of the child. The family may create myths about how wonderful the family is, even though an alcoholic father or an abusive mother may engender feelings of anger, even hatred in the child. This child is never allowed to express his or her true feelings, which must stay private and unspoken. You know, speaking about this, I've met so many clients, it's very sad when, you know, they were never allowed to be angry. It's like they had to be happy all the time. It's just insane, right? Who's happy all the time and not allowed to to feel. So how are you going to feel when you're an adult if you never were able to do that as a child? So the child grows up in a state of confusion where anger is love and love is anger. In their own relationships later in life, these people may harbor unrelenting anger towards the ones they love. They may have difficulty knowing what it's like just to feel. And similarly, when our reality is skewed by the household we grew up in, we may give faulty interpretations to events in our world. Or we may have a poor concept of our own bodies. For example, we may feel overweight when everyone else thinks we're too thin. Or we may have difficulty in judging the impact of our behavior on other people. So you can see just from talking about this aloud, right? It's just like, whew, this is heavy stuff. And it's really hard to, to walk through. And that's, that's why 
therapy can be so beneficial to even understand what your behavior is and how it's affecting other people and yourself. Let's talk about boundaries, which is so important, right? So healthy personal boundaries are one of our most adaptive tools for living around other people. And they come from having a good sense of our own self-worth and a healthy approach towards testing reality. And intact boundaries are flexible. They allow us to get close to others when it's inappropriate, when it's appropriate, I'm sorry, (laughs) and to maintain our distance. We might be getting harmed by getting too close. You know, we need to know who we can trust and who we need to be careful around. So good boundaries protect us from abuse and let us achieve true intimacy. They also allow us to separate our own thoughts and feelings from those of others and to take responsibility for what we think, feel, and do. So boundaries are a great thing. Everybody needs healthy boundaries. Codependence is often characterized by either poor or non-existent boundaries. I can remember having some non-existent boundaries, not that I'm talking about this. (laughs) Or in contrast, you know, impenetrable walls. So a person with poor boundaries may have no sense of being abused by others, nor do they know when they may be abusing others. This person may not be aware of controlling or manipulating other people as a way of getting his or her own needs met. And similarly, they may insist on intimate relations when the other person has said no, or they may blame the other person for their own feelings when someone says, you know, you made me feel this way. On the other hand, some people put up walls as a way of distancing themselves from others and protecting themselves. And walls lack the flexibility we need to maintain healthy relationships. We may have walls instead of healthy boundaries when we give off cues that we are constantly angry. You know, so the message when you're always angry is telling the people, you know, don't even try to get close. Or fear when you never open yourself up to other people. So walls are also seen in the person who talks constantly so that others are not allowed in and real intimacy is never achieved. We maybe have met people like that too, where people are just talking, talking, And you walk away feeling like you really didn't have a connection with that person. So, you know, think about do you have healthy boundaries or not? Moderate behavior. So one of the hallmarks of wellness is the ability to achieve moderation in our thoughts, feelings, and behavior, right? That's where CBT is all about. Your thoughts, feelings, behaviors, physical reactions as well, right? In your environment. When we have a stable core, like our core belief, and our personalities, we're able to weather life's difficulties better than when We don't overreact that way. And children brought up in adaptive households learn to trust that they'll be able to confront most problems either alone or with the support of others. They know that going to extremes will only serve to complicate their lives. Those who grew up in dysfunctional families, on the other hand, can be heard only when they raise their voices or show through extreme behavior that their needs are not being met. So they may hold in their feelings until the situation becomes so severe that they feel the need to engage in angry outbursts and just explode. I've met a lot of people too that you know, said that they are with partners that all of a sudden the person just explodes and they had no idea there was any issues going on. And the behavior is usually found as in extremes, but if they're not totally involved with someone, they become detached and withdrawn. So that's the opposite. If they're not completely happy, they're in utter despair. And this tendency toward extremes shows itself in all or nothing thinking, which we talked about in Distorted Thoughts podcast, right? So if you're not my loyal friend at all times, You're my enemy, and I will end the friendship. That's all or nothing thinking. Many people with codependent tendencies feel that they're not alive unless they're involved in a relationship. 
For example, I'm nothing alone, and it is only when I find love that I can come alive. This tendency toward extremes can also result in alcoholism and other forms of substance abuse. Just to, you know, numb yourself out and not to deal with all these sad feelings that you're having about yourself. So how do we embrace the dysfunction and make life better? That's where we want to be, right? So we never completely shed those things we learned in childhood. But we can learn new ways of dealing with ourselves and the world around us. It's probably not sufficient to look on codependence as an illness, which can be cured. Rather, codependence is a way of living which comes from a dysfunctional background, a background over which we had no control and we grew up. There's no shame in being codependent, and there's no virtue in blaming those who created this condition. So as I said earlier, it's not about looking back at your past and blaming, but it's just acknowledging that that was my experience, and I don't need to be ashamed that I'm codependent because that's how I learned to survive, right? We're all products of our environment, forces and experiences which preceded our present lives. And some people have easy lives. I've met a couple of people like that. Other people have lives that are just more difficult. There's really no reason, you know, rhyme or reason. It's simply the way of the world. And neither option is necessarily better, believe it or not. Those with difficult lives have the advantage of learning more adaptive ways of living. And in the sense, they may be able to experience life more fully and completely. And this can lead to integrity and wisdom. So, you know, a lot of people say they've maybe had terrible past and they say, you know, I would never change my past. You're thinking, wow, but that's because they can see the gifts that have been given from them and have found joy and wisdom and, and been able maybe to be there for others. So they found some purpose in what they went through. So that's why when I say that, you know, it's not necessarily always bad that you've had a difficult life because it gives you that advantage to become really healthy and to just figure out who you are. People with easy lives usually don't really take the time to delve into themselves or understand things all as all, you know, as much as someone who's struggling, right? So the clue to coming to terms with codependence is to become aware of your own history, your life, your relationships, your needs, and feelings. Embrace the dysfunction in your background and accept your codependence. Become an expert on how your history influences the life you live today. You can learn methods of living more as a healthy, independent person with integrity and spend less time in the old codependent mode. You're invited to make an appointment to start this wonderful life journey to be a happier person. So to talk about the changing definition of codependence, which I said at the very beginning, and I, I like the word, not everybody does, but I use it in my practice because I think it really explains how things are. And the definition of codependence has changed over the years. It used to be seen as a situation in which the partner of a person who abused alcohol had an overt agenda to get their partner to stop drinking, but a covert agenda for the drinking to continue. because. That means if they continue to drink, they're going to need me. The codependent symptoms were seen as an outgrowth of living with the alcohol abuser. Over time, however, it was noticed that when the person stopped drinking, the codependent's behaviors continued or even escalated. A pattern was then identified in which codependency was seen as the product of a dysfunctional background. So codependents have certain identifiable patterns which are independent of being in a relationship with a drug or alcohol abuser. You don't have to be in a relationship with anybody with drug or alcohol and still have the codependency. So a couple resources out there. 
is uh, CODA, which is Codependence Anonymous, which is a 12-step group recovery program based on AA, which can be really helpful. I have talked to people who have gone to CODA and they said they're very emotional meetings. People really are, you know, talking about what's in their heart. Also, a book that I love by Melody Beattie is called Codependent No More. Some people come in and just say it's like their Bible for codependency. And then, of course, my favorite is My Mind Over Mood, the Cognitive Behavioral Therapy book. That not that it's addressing specifically codependence, but it, it, you know, if we're learning that the way that I think creates my feelings and my behaviors, right, my physical reactions based on my environment, which is what we talked about a lot today, the environment you grew up in, where you've learned these tools, right, to be codependent and to find self-worth from others instead of within. We need to start changing how you think about yourself and looking at your, this is a big one with the behaviors. And I always tell people, you know, it's CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. It is not just cognitive therapy. You know, our behaviors are a huge factor in our lives, right? And it's what people see. And that shows who you are more so than anything is your behaviors, you know, not even your words. So with codependency, you want to say, you know, what behaviors am I doing that continue this repetitive, you know, bad relationships or, you know, putting up with bad behavior and not feeling good about myself, you know, or withdrawing if I don't have somebody in my life. So to really look at yourself, you know, and just do some soul searching to say, you know, is this something I can relate to that, you know, I get all my good feelings from other people. And I always say you're kind of screwed when you're codependent, because if I'm getting all my self-worth from someone else, and they're having a bad day, then I'm screwed, <laughs> right? Because I'm only going to have a good day when they're having a good day. I've just given all my power away. And you know, how sad is that? And it was sad <laughs> when I was being, when I was codependent, not even knowing, of course, that, you know, other people making me feel good was trying to fill that hole that I had, that I needed to fill myself. And I was able to do that once I figured it out. So I want to share with you a little checklist I have if you're like, well, I'm not sure if I'm codependent, but it sounds like maybe so. So here's about, I'm going to give you about 10 things to ask yourself. And doesn't mean like, bam, you're codependent, but it's something to think about. So one is my self-worth soars when I can solve other people's problems. I put the needs of others in front of my own. I seldom say no. And when I do, I feel guilty. I don't see myself as worthwhile or lovable. I feel like I'm different from others. I feel less than or better than other people. I have trouble having fun unless I drink or get high. It's difficult to be alone without being busy. I'm not romantically attracted to people who are nice to me. It's hard to get close to people and trust them. I feel incomplete if I'm not in a relationship. I feel uncomfortable when people compliment me. I feel lonely even when I'm with other people. My relationships never seem to work out well. I'm my own worst critic. I seldom live up to my own expectations. I find it difficult to ask for help. I can't seem to find a good balance between working and having fun. I fear being out of control. I resent people who will let me help them. I compromise my own values so that I can be accepted by others. I always come through for other people, even when I don't want to. I usually don't let people know if I'm angry. If my partner would change, my problems would be solved. <laughs> Sometimes my anger is out of proportion to what is happening. I feel that I'm responsible for how other people feel. I keep my feelings to myself because of how others might react. 
And I often pretend that things are fine, even when they're not. So I know that was more than 10. I kept going. Sorry. They just kept coming to my mind. <laughs> so those are lots of ways to kind of evaluate for yourself if codependency is an issue for you. And again, just, you know, embrace it. Start loving yourself. Start asking yourself, you know, who do I want to be? What kind of people do I want to have in my life? And it's going to be a little scary, as always, making change. That, you know, when I work with people, we start changing their thinking and understanding. We still need to go out and have behavioral experiments where it's like, yeah, I believe that I don't have to always say yes to everybody and they're still going to be okay. You know, that I said earlier that, you know, if I say no, then you feel guilty that, you know, try little no's, little, little things that you can say no to that aren't big. And, you know, even if you feel guilty, you want to walk through that discomfort and you want to have some experiences that, you know, everybody's still okay with me. This person's still in my life. They understood. It wasn't the end of the world, right? We want to start small. Obviously, if you're in a very harmful relationship, you need to start bigger if you need to get out of it. But otherwise, you know, just start small. Again, going to some therapy can be really helpful. Going to CODA, working on your cognitive behavioral therapy, you know, asking yourself, what am I thinking right now when this person isn't treating me well? Or what am I thinking, you know, when they're asking too much of me? Or, you know, being aware that I'm not feeling very good because that other person isn't happy with me. So just start being more mindful, aware of what you're thinking, what your behaviors are, and you'll be able to get there. A lot of us have gotten past it, and we're much happier for it, and you have lots of support, and I'm always here for you. And reach out if you have any more questions or need some more direction. As always, you can email me at uh, mycbtpodcast at gmail.com. You can reach me also through my website at mycognitivebehavioraltherapy.com. I'm on Facebook at Julie L. Osborne, LCSW. And I'm always willing and ready to listen and help. And I respond to all my emails that I get from everybody, which I really appreciate. And again, I love the feedback and any ideas that you have or any ways that I can help. So thanks again for spending this time with me. I hope this uh, sparks some thoughts for you and maybe some inner dialogue to look at your life and see where it is and how you're feeling. And, and as always, if not you, maybe somebody you know that you can share it with and have them listen to this and maybe it'll ring home for them and make them look at themselves and want to start changing their lives to be happier. So as always, my mantra, I got two mantras now. My first one, as I always share, is make decisions based on what's best for you, not how you feel. And my new one is instead of why me, what now? Stay well, and we'll talk next week. You just listened to another episode of my CBT podcast. You can rate and review and subscribe at Apple Podcasts. You can find me on my website at mycognitivebehavioraltherapy.com, Instagram, mycbtpodcast, and email me at mycbtpodcastgmail.com. Stay well and be safe. Whoa, Poe Productions.